Good morning. morning. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38 this morning. Um, uh, In in Matthew, the chapters 4 through 9 all are describing the work of Jesus as he begins and does his public ministry. And it's bracketed by these two summary statements that are identical. One one in chapter 4 and then... Today, the, verse 35, it talks about how Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And so that's, that's kind of the summary of what has been happening up until this point. Jesus has been teaching. He's been proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's been healing diseases. That's, that's been his mission. That's, he's, he's been taking the, you know, carrying the brunt of, of all of that work up until this point. And now we have a, a kind of a little bit of a transition. In, in chapter 10, he then sends out his disciples to basically do the ministry that he has been doing, uh, to join him in that ministry. And so what we have in these verses right here is kind of a little bit of a glimpse, a little transition into that, that phase where Jesus is you know, doing it himself, and now he's like sending the other guys out. And it gives us a glimpse into not only what he's you know, having them do, but what he calls all of his followers to do. Anybody who knows him and follows him, this is what he expects from us as well. Okay? So listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now um, to move past all of the other things that are crying out for our attention right now. And that we would fix our minds and our hearts upon your word. That we would really think about what you are saying here to us. That we would really think about what kind of changes it requires from us. And that we would think about how you are inviting us to trust you in the midst of it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When you were a child... What did you want to be when you grew up? I want you all to think about that question for a second. What, think about it. When you, back to when you were, you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? For me, I wanted to be, it was no question, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I was a big Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Steve Garvey, the first baseman for the Dodgers in the 80s, was like my idol. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Um, if, if you ask our little kids, um, one of them would say he wants to be a professional soccer player. Uh, one of them says, would say he wants to be a scientist. One of them would say he wants to be a cowboy slash doctor. Not sure exactly how that works, but uh, he's excited about carrying a gun and sewing people up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but that's what he wants to do when he grows up. Um, you know, I was asking Kim the other day. She said when she was a kid, she wanted to be a teacher. I'm just curious, as you thought about that question, if you could raise your hand, how many of you guys wanted to be a shepherd? Anybody? No shepherd? No, no people longing to... 
spend sleepless nights in the field with listening to the bleeding of sheep in the cold? No? No shepherds. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. You know, we, uh, and, and especially in our, our culture, you know, um, you know, we don't even think about being a shepherd. That's not something that even comes into my mind um, as something that I could aspire to be. Um, I would think that, uh, anybody want to be a farmer? Did anybody want to be a farmer when you were, when you were growing up? All right, excellent. We've got, we got one. A couple, yes, excellent. So you might find a few more people who want to be farmers in our culture. Um, generally, people probably wouldn't want to be a farmer unless you're, you come from a family of farmers, but that's not, not, not always the case. But you'll probably find fewer, uh, fewer people who want to be farmers. Um, Back when Jesus was talking to his disciples, shepherds and farmers were more familiar figures, right? They were, that was a, a very uh, recognized occupation of many people back in those days. Um, and so Jesus uses these images of, of a shepherd and a farmer as he talks to his disciples about what he wants them to do. Um, and so as we think about um, following Jesus, no matter what else you want to be when you grow up, no matter what else you're doing right now, I think Jesus is calling you to, to uh, consider that you should also think of yourself as a shepherd, that you should also think of yourself as a farmer based on these verses, okay? Um, and so, so why is this? First of all, he uses this image of shepherding here in verse 36, and when, when, in verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, right? And so the thing that, that he's trying to communicate to his disciples and, and the thing that Matthew's trying to communicate, actually, about Jesus' heart is that as he looked around him, what he saw was great pain. He saw great pain when he looked at the crowds, he saw people who were like sheep, who had been wounded, who had been hurt. Actually, the, the, the words uh, harassed and helpless, if you translate them literally, um, they, you, would, you would translate them more like they're, they're torn up and thrown down. So it's not like they're just kind of like stressed out sh- sheep. They're actually sheep that have been attacked and have been torn apart by a wolf, and they're laying there bloodied. That's what Jesus saw when he looked around at the crowds. He saw people who were deeply hurting. He saw people who were, who were wounded, people who, who could not help themselves. And I think as, as he looked around him at the crowds, I think he also was inviting his disciples, and he invites us to look around us and see people in the same way. To see that people all around us are, are deeply hurting, that they cannot help themselves. They're wounded in, in ways that... that Really, only Jesus can help them. They are lost in ways that only Jesus can guide them. And so as we look around us, as we interact with our world, with the people in our world, whether it's other kids that you go to school with, uh, people that you work alongside with, people that are on your teams at work, or people that you supervise, or, or people that, like your boss, um, other parents of of your kids, you know, whether you know them through sports or you know them through your school. As you think about them, as you look at them, Jesus, I think, is inviting us to see them as people who are hurting and broken sheep who cannot help themselves, who need us to take responsibility for them and to care for them as shepherds would. You know, the people around us are people who are lost without, 
without a shepherd. You know, sheep are actually, you may have heard this before, that sheep are actually very, very dumb animals. You know, a sheep will run off a cliff just because it's there. And, and we need to realize that, that apart from knowing Jesus, that's how people are. And they're, and they're experiencing real pain in their lives. And, and it goes beyond, I talked about last week, how we, need to, how we need to be kind because everybody's fighting a hard battle, you know? Um, I think it even goes beyond that. It, be goes, it goes beyond just kind of empathizing with people because they're hurting and being gentle with them and being patient with them. It's realizing that, that deep down, as I said before, they experience wounds and pain that only Jesus can heal. And so my responsibility, as I think about the people around me, is not just to be kind, but to, but to introduce them to Jesus, to, but bring Jesus to them, the only one who can truly shepherd their soul, who can bind up their wounds, who can lead them and give them direction. This is how Jesus saw the crowds, and, and, and this is how he invites us to see those people around us who don't know him people who are experiencing great pain and who need us to care for them, who need us to take responsibility for them. Not only are shepherds needed, but um, he also, I think, alludes to the idea that farmers are needed. Um, In verse 37, he says, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He shifts kind of the image from a shepherd taking care of sheep to a farmer gathering in a harvest, right? And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think what he, what he wants, to, wants us to see, and what I want to highlight here, is the incredible potential here that he is pointing out. Just look at the first half of what he says. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. As Jesus looks out and he sees these hurting people, what he realizes is that they're, they're, they're not just a bunch of people who are hurting and who are running the opposite direction of God. That, that is true, but, but there are people who are longing to be found. People who are longing to know Jesus, to find hope, to experience peace. They're people who are ready to meet him. The harvest is plentiful. And as I think about my own life and, and kind of trying to minister to people in Jesus' name and try to share, share my faith with people or, or, or kind of serve them and, and point them to God, I have to be honest with you, I, I, I usually have kind of a pessimistic attitude. I, I tend to be like, oh, this person doesn't want to hear what I have to say. This, what I have to say isn't really going to make much of a difference in this person's life. Um, I tend to view it as more like, have you guys ever, you know, when you go to the boardwalk, you go to a carnival, there's all these carnival games, and there's always the, you know, big prize. It's like a six-foot stuffed monkey or something like that, that you get if you, like, throw three rings. You get three rings, and you have to throw all of your rings onto, onto bottles or whatever. And, and I see that huge prize, and I'm like, man, I wish I could get that prize, but there's no way. This whole thing is rigged, you know? At the most, I'm going to get one ring on there. They, they have it rigged against me, so I'm not going to succeed. I'm only going to fail. So why even bother putting down the dollar or the $2 to even play? And sadly, I think that's a lot of times how I view the way that I interact with people who don't know God. There's no way that I'm going to see success here. They are too fixed in what they believe, in their kind of life 
um, there's no way that they're going to listen. There's no way that their life is going to be changed by anything that I do or say. So why even bother? And yet I think Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. He's inviting us to look at it more like uh, a, couple, a couple years ago uh, at Christmas, um, we, I say we, Kim bought our kids these, um, these little like archaeological like blocks of sand. Um, that it's like an eight by eight block of like hard sand that uh, promises to, it, it, it comes with some little tools, a little like tiny little pick and shovel and stuff. If you like scrape away the sand and you dig and, and break it apart, um, that there are going to be some, some gemstones in there. There are going to be some really cool stones. Um, and and they, it promises to give you like 10 of the stones in there, right? And so you know that they're going to be in there. The, the box says that they're going to be in there, right? And so, of course, the kids are going to be motivated to like, you know, pound on that thing until they get them out. They're going to be motivated to put the work in to get them out, right? Because they know that they're going to be there. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting us to see as we look around us in this world. The harvest is plentiful. What he is inviting us to do as farmers is to put the work in. We need to put the work in. We need to, we need to put the sweat in. We need to put effort in, time in, energy in. And if we will do that, we will see God work. We will see fruit. We will see people's lives changed. We will see people respond to him because the harvest is plentiful. And so he invites us. It's ready to be gathered in. There are people all around us who are hurting, who are longing to know Jesus Christ, who, who, who need Jesus' power to heal them. And they're waiting for healing. And Jesus wants, us to, wants to encourage his followers to see, uh, see ourselves as farmers who just need to put in the work. Farming is hard work. I've known, believe it or not, I've known a couple farmers in my lifetime. And I know it's hard, backbreaking work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. If you will but speak up, if you will but put the effort into building a relationship with this person, that God has placed in your life and being consistent in loving them and sharing the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done in your life with them. The harvest is plentiful. You will see fruit. You will see fruit. But it takes work. And so he wants us to notice the great pain around us. He wants us to notice the great potential. But lastly, I think he, he also wants us to notice God's great power as we think about his calling to serve him, and serve him and represent him in the lives of other people, okay? He wants us to notice God's great power. Look at what he says. In verse 37, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As, as, if, if, this, if I am Jesus, and I'm thinking about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, I'm thinking, okay, the workers are few. What I need to do is I need to, I need to recruit. I need to find people. I need to start making a list of all the guys that I think have potential to, to go out there and labor and do the work. I need to start talking them in. To, I need to start training them more and, and talking them into all that they need to do. What does Jesus say? What's the first thing on his mind after he says that? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Exactly. Pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's, there's all this work to be done. The harvest is waiting to be gathered in. There's all this work to be done. We need people to do it. 
But Jesus says, what we need to do first is ask God to provide. We need to ask God to provide. Because why? Because he is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. We need to ask him to provide people, first of all. We need to ask him to provide a work in my own heart to make me, to make me more willing, more, more eager to serve others and to love them and to share Jesus with them. And, and he is the Lord of the harvest. It is only God who will make a difference in the, in the hearts of people. It's, God is the only one who can change a person's heart. God is the only one who can awaken a person to his presence and his grace. And so we need to ask the Lord of the harvest. We need to trust him. We need to pray. We need to believe in him. People are hurting. The harvest is waiting. It's going to require work on my part and a willingness to sacrifice. But don't get it confused about who it all ultimately depends on. It all ultimately depends on him. And there's no question about who is more powerful, him or me. Who is more persuasive, him or me? There's no question. Now, having said that, I realize, you know, I, remember, I just said it's going to take work. This doesn't mean that we, we just ask the Lord of the harvest and then we're good to go. It's going to take work. And yet we need to trust him. We need to rely on him. Because only he can make the difference. It's only the spirit of God working in a person's heart that can actually grow something of eternal value, right? There's only the Spirit of God working on a person's heart that actually can minister to them in their pain and their brokenness. That is the only thing that's going to change them. So God invites us to, to work hard, to, to look around us, to, to uh, even, like, as I said before, no matter what else you, you think of as your vocation, as your occupation, you also need to see yourself as a full-time shepherd and farmer, Sowing seed in the lives of the people around you. Sharing God's grace in the lives of the people around you. Being ready to harvest that. Inviting people to trust him, to find their hope in him, to find in him their ultimate treasure. Now I realize, I, I, I struggle because I, when, when I... When I preach on a, a passage that talks about sharing our faith and, and going out and into the harvest field. And I, I realize that, that this is, for, for some of us, this comes naturally. Some of us, we are immediately very excited about this. But I realize there's a lot of us who are like, you probably already tuned me out a long time ago. Because even if you're following Jesus, just to, to, to think about sharing your faith with other people to think about sharing the reality of, of Jesus and what he has done in your life with other people, that is just incredibly overwhelming. Um, just personality-wise, you're just like, that's just not me, I can't, I can't do that. It's just beyond what, what I'm able to do. And yet I, I want to emphasize the fact that, that Jesus, he's, he's getting ready to send out his disciples. Yes, this is a specific call to his disciples. As his disciples, God provides these disciples to go out and to gather in the harvest. But, but I believe strongly that this is a calling upon every disciple of Jesus. If you know him, if you're following him, he calls you to, to shepherd the hearts of other people, to identify the places where they are hurting, where they are wounded, and to seek to bind those wounds up. 
but to realize that, that it's only Jesus. He is the, he's the ultimate shepherd, as, as Brian read earlier, right? He is the ultimate shepherd, the true shepherd, the good shepherd. Our job is to bring him to them. So I realize that this is, this is hard, right? Um, how many of us are actually going to walk out those doors and be like, yes, this is a priority for me? I, I just want to invite you to see this is an incredible privilege. This is an incredible privilege. This isn't just a job that he gives us to do. It's an incredible privilege that we get to do with him. Right? God doesn't need us to rescue sheep. He doesn't need us. He could do it himself. He could easily do it himself. He can do it without us. And yet, his plan is to use us. His plan is to, is to call laborers to go into the fields and work with him. He's the Lord of the harvest, and, and he invites us to, to go and harvest right alongside him. And, and this is the reality. If you have come to know Jesus as your shepherd, as the one who has saved you, as the, the shepherd who, who has, has provided for you and, and who protects you and who even has laid down his life for you, because that, well, that is who Jesus is. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. If you have come to know Jesus that way, guess what? You're only going to get to know certain things about him. You're only going to get to know him better as you do this with him. As you share him with somebody who doesn't know him and you get to see him work in their life. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege to get to serve with him and it's an opportunity to see his power at work. It's an opportunity to see how he is the shepherd. It's an opportunity to see how he is the Lord of the harvest. And so this isn't, as, as we go out from here, this isn't just something I have to do. I can't stress enough with you. This is something that you get to do if you want to see the glory of God, if you want to see the power of God, if you want to see the grace of God. Because those things are the only things that are really going to satisfy any of us. To get to be shepherds alongside him and actually have him work through us to do his shepherding work. To actually have him work through us to do his harvesting work. This is is a privilege. It is exciting to be able to do this. And so will you hear the call? Will you realize, you know, as, as we're about to sing later, you know, that, that to see the earth filled with glory is something that deep down, that is what we all long for. And if you want to see it, then start shepherding, start harvesting. And trust him to work through you. Let's pray. Father, we pray that uh, you would open our eyes to see the glory of this calling uh, that you play us, place on our lives. This, this invitation that Jesus gives us to, to shepherd with him the souls of those around us to identify ways that people have been wounded and hurt. Father, it's so easy as we go about our lives to look around us and to think that everybody, that, that there's nobody who has any weaknesses, nobody is hurting, everybody is strong, 
And yet, Father, you invite us to, to recognize the reality that everyone around us is in need. They're not simply in need of us to have compassion, but they're in need of us to point them to Jesus' compassion for them. Father, we pray that you would use us. Father, we pray that we would see your glory working through us and in the lives of, of family members, of people we work with, of people we go to school with, of our neighbors. That we would see this world filled with your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity.